Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Kat Bogard, a fellow freelance writer who provides helpful advice and resources for creative freelancers. We both know Kat personally, and if you're struggling to pitch stories and land freelance writing clients, Kat's Pitch Pack takes the guesswork out of formatting those nerve-wracking emails. The pack includes eight pitch email scripts for a variety of scenarios, completed samples for each template, and some helpful tips to write pitches that get responses. For more about Kat and to purchase your own pitch pack, visit katbogard.com slash pitch pack. That's K-A-T-B-O-O-G-A-A-R-D slash pitch dash pack. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. So one of the questions that we were asked was, how many clients should you have as a freelancer? And of course, there's no one size fits all answer for a question like this, but it's one I think that you and I should discuss because there is a lot of, I don't know, just interesting things that go into that conversation. So the first question I want to ask you is, how do you decide? How do you feel like you arrive at a place where you're like, okay, this is a, a good amount of clients. I'm at a good place. I can't take on any more work. Let's start there. Sure. So I don't have a great system for determining exactly how many clients I should have. And there are many other freelancers out there who do. But what I will share is that I have learned over the years that I have a lot of clients compared to other freelancers. And when I say a lot of clients, I mean a lot of clients at any given time. Right. Like, you know, today at this moment, I have a lot of more clients than maybe a freelancer listening has. Um, and the first time that I realized this was I was part of a copywriting mastermind. And one day we were sort of shooting the shit, so to speak, about how many clients we had. And I realized that I had more clients than everybody. You know, there were 20 freelance writers in there and I had more clients that I was working with at that time. I think at the time I was working with 12 and it wasn't that I was working with 12 every day. I would, you know, it it was that I had 12 open projects, right? Mm -hmm. And other people were working with one at a time or two at a time or three at a time. And they were like, oh my gosh, Emma, how do you manage 12? Blah, 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 blah. And it made me realize that the way that I ran my business was just, different from how other people do it. And so I think that's what's really relevant to the how many clients you have conversation, which is, you know, how do you run your business and how do you structure your business so that you sort of fit them all in? And I think it's relevant based on the services that you're providing, the timelines that you're providing. And so I'm curious from you, how do you think about the number of clients that you have? Yeah. I think that I, like you, don't have a finite documented system or process around like, okay, I'm at my max. It's more of a touch and go kind of thing where I'm constantly evaluating. I have a running list of projects on my desk every day and I just kind of feel it out on my own and my own personal bandwidth. It's gotten a little hairy this past year because I normally have a workload that's tempered by travel. And without the travel on my plate this year, I have been super heads down on work, which means I have more clients than I normally have. And I've just kind of gotten to a point where I'm comfortable with a pretty heavy workload. I also have some subcontractors that I work with for various pieces of the execution puzzle. 
which has really helped me scale up. And so I think for me, the work-life balance is still not super healthy. I, I feel like I probably still <laughs> overdo it. But what I have found is that having a lot of documented systems in place and really understanding how to find good partners and subcontractors and editors and things like that has helped me scale the business up much further than I could if I was just working by myself and doing everything by myself. And so that has been eight years in the making of like figuring out how do I do this and how do I basically teach other people to do exactly what I do? How do I essentially clone myself and another writer? And so by doing that, I've been able to scale up a lot. And so I think for me, it's like I said, it's really just kind of feeling things out. And if I get to the point where my husband's like, oh my gosh, you're so stressed out. You need to stop saying yes to so many things. That for me is kind of like, okay, that's the max. (laughs) So it's good to have an accountability partner. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so much of this conversation around how many clients should you have is about sort of like, what does your mix look like? When I ask that, I sort of mean like, you know, a lot of people have maybe an anchor retainer client. So they have one or maybe two clients where where they're doing work with every month. I used to have one like this where, you know, every month I I worked with a client and I was guaranteed a certain amount of money for them. And then anything else I did was on top of them. It was for fun. There was sort of a revolving door of clients based on projects. And that worked really well for me because the retainer client kind of anchored me. And then as business has gone on, I've, I've become less reliant on having an anchor client like that and more confident and sort of letting things come in and out as they will, because, you know, I, I know that's going to, that's going to keep coming. So I think And a lot of it, again, is like how you structure everything. So there are people, for example, that offer websites, website copy. And they might offer website copy for individuals. And every time they work with an individual, they do like a two-week massive website overhaul. And they they do it all in two weeks because they want to make sure they get it done. And then the way they manage their their sort of annual calendar is every two weeks, they're literally like booking somebody in. And I think the benefit of this is, okay, you know, and this goes back to productized services, you know that if every website copy project you do, you do is $3,000 and you do a different one every two weeks, it makes it like really easy to plan your annual revenue, for example. And then those sorts of people might add a buy my day option to add in some, you know, additional revenue, et cetera. But they're doing it on a much more like scheduled basis than I think how you and I do it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. And I, I think too, like with the nature of work that I do, which is blog content, even if it's long form, most of the time those are pretty short term projects, right? It's not a huge website copy overhaul. These are things that can be knocked out in like a business week worth of time at max, you right. know, several days worth right. of work. So I think that that's a big depending factor. I think the other thing too is I have seen other freelance writers who do similar work, like Mariana Kay. She has a spreadsheet where she keeps track of the work that she's doing and she has slots open. And she knows from experience where her max like capacity is, where she wants to be as far as like, this is the amount of hours I want to work a week. These are the slots that I have open. And when those are full, she's done. And everything else gets referred to another writer or she says you can book for next month and kind of gets a waiting list built up. So that's another way to do it too. 
Do you have anything like that, Kaylee? I don't. <laughs> I really me don't. <laughs> no, yeah, I, love the <laughs> I love the idea. So I, another friend of mine, Natalie Arbell, does something like really similar. And the way that she structures her business is she really wants guaranteed revenue. So she makes sure that people sign annual contracts. Mm-hmm. So she does similar work to me. So I work with a lot of individuals who want thought leadership content written. And so what Natalie will do is she will say, okay, I'm going to provide thought leadership content for you for six months or a year. And we're going to sign a contract that basically says, here's what I'm going to do every month for you. And like, I just do not operate my business like that at all. And it's maybe to my detriment because you know, Natalie has a lot of security in knowing like, okay, in this year, I'm going to make X. I'm guaranteed to make at least X. It's She has sort of the benefit of knowing I am so much more fly by the seat of my pants where I know from five or six years in business that I will make enough money. <laughs> right. Um, and, but I, I, I just don't feel like I feel like that model is like too rigid for me personally. Yeah. I don't same know. Here. Same here. I feel like I I like the ability to scale up or down on a whim. But the, the downside of that that I've quickly fallen into with this past year is that I like see the money coming in and I see the opportunities coming in and I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's fucking go. And then <laughs> I haven't taken a vacation in a year. So I am reaching that, you know, dangerous point of burnout where I'm like, okay, there ha- I like I have to schedule some time off in the near future because I cannot sustain at this pace and at this workload. So it's a tough thing. And I, the, the other thing I want to talk about with this is the idea of exclusivity. So like, that's another way to, to scale things up with this rather than just taking on more work and bringing on partners or subcontractors is can you charge more? If you kind of leverage that exclusive, um, if you want to work with me, it's very expensive, but I only work with a few clients at once. So let's talk about that model a little bit. Mm, Yeah. So I've seen that work, especially well with marketing consultants, where they sort Mm -hmm. of come into the business. I have a friend, Matt Kulis, who does SEO and, and growth consulting. He is one of the most talented marketers I know. He was actually my manager when I worked in house. And he definitely takes the approach of offering like very comprehensive services to his clients as opposed to just like, oh, he's going to write a blog article for them. Mm -hmm. He offers super comprehensive services, but I don't find that I can't speak for him, but I don't think he would say that he needs to tell his client, look, I only work with you. I don't think that's why the client, I don't think the client gives a shit about how many other people you work with. What they care about is, can you dedicate yourself to them in the capacity that they need? That's what they want to know. They don't care about like, they really don't. And if a client does care too much, they really want you to be working for them full time. And then it's probably not a healthy relationship. One thing that I have found, though, is I tell clients explicitly, if you send more work to me, you will be prioritized. So, and I'm very clear about that. So if I have a client and they're like, look, we think we only want you to do one one blog article per month per month for for us. I say, okay, that's totally fine. Happy to do that. I just want you to know that if you do more work with me, the more of a prioritized VIP client you will be to me. And what that translates to is I'm going to get be able to get back to you faster with edits and revisions. I'm going to make sure that, you know, every time you contact me, I'm on it. I'm willing, I'll be willing to join your Slack channel. It's not something that I, I sort of 
have really formalized, but I do let them know. And I especially let them know it when they're talking about adding more. So they might say, oh, Emma, you've been doing such a great job with our case studies. We'd love if you if you started doing these blog articles too. And I, I tell them, you know, that would be awesome. And just so you know, the more work you give to me, the more of a number one client you are to me. And I think that's way more impactful to them than saying like, I'm only going to work with you because I just don't think they care about that. Yeah, that's really, really smart. I, I'm also curious too, do you offer like a volume discount or is it more just like mm-hmm. more access? That's a good question. I occasionally offer a volume discount, but not really. Like sometimes I'll have a client ask for something like that, but mostly no. Okay. Mostly they don't ask for that. And, and mostly it's not something that I offer. Occasionally, if they really have a lot I'll offer some kind of volume discount. What I will do is I'm more likely to discount if it's a project that I don't have a lot of experience with that I want much more experience with. Mm. So sometimes if I'm doing like web copy is an area that I'm trying to get more and more into. So because I, I love the work, but it's not the bread and butter of my business at this time. And so if someone comes to me with a web copy project, I purposely price a little bit low so that I'm more likely to get the project. And that's just a strategy I'm using as I build up kind of my portfolio and testimonials in that area so that, you know, I know that my time is worth more, but that's that's a time where I'm kind of willing to take a little bit of a hit. So my next question then is related to this idea of productivity as it relates to volume and like switching between projects. So I know that some people, and there are statistics out there that talk about how your productivity goes down due to context switching. So as you're switching between projects or clients, you know, working on a variety of different things, it could be more difficult to focus and get into that deep work state. So do you feel that focused attention, time, energy should come at a premium? Do you feel like that should be priced up? Like, how do you, how do you picture that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that it should be priced up. I think it's that you should consider what kind of freelancer you want to be. And what I mean by that is that I have found that if I have too many clients, I cannot serve them and show up in the way that I want to run my business. So you know, I, it takes me too long to respond to an email. It takes me too long to turn in a draft. It it takes me too long to turn in a draft if they're sort of wiggly deadlines. Right. And so one thing that happened when I came back from maternity leave is I said, you know what? I only had like eight hours a week to work with, with childcare at that time. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'm only going to work with two clients and I'm going to show up as the best possible Emma. I'm going to bend over backwards for them. And it wasn't about, the money that I was making because I knew the money I was making was enough to cover the cost of the childcare and and run my life or whatever. It wasn't about the money basically at that time. But that I sort of said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scale that up. And I and and I found that having that opportunity to only work with a couple and be the best possible Emma Samasco as a professional sort of showed me how powerful that is. I mean I sometimes hear people say like, oh, you want to, you want to succeed as a freelance writer. Well, you need to be good and you need to show up. But sometimes what happens is you, is if you have too many clients and you have too many open projects and you have too many things going on in your life, it prevents you from showing up as your best possible self. So that, again, to me, it's not about sort of the money. It's about like, can you show up 
as your best possible self. I love that. Yeah. I've never thought about it like that, but that's so true. And I feel like, especially for people like you and I, who tend to tie up a little bit of their self-worth in their work, which maybe isn't healthy, but yeah, that's really important to consider. It's, it's, am I proud to put my name on this, on this work? Am I proud to be associated with this project? And if the answer is no, then you probably have too many clients or you're doing too many projects. And so I feel like that's probably a really good indicator as far as even if you don't have a spreadsheet or you don't have a document where you're keeping track of, okay, I'm at my max. When you reach that point where you're like, I'm, I'm not sure about the quality on this one. That's a red flag. Yeah. To me, I feel like the writing quality that I deliver is always something that I'm proud of. But sometimes I feel like the way that I show up as a business person is not. Mm. And that's just like being you know, honest about what happens when I have too much on my plate is that I say yes to too many things and then <sighs> balls get dropped. Like yeah. I, I, it sucks, but that, that is, is one thing that happens that it's just like balls get dropped or like it prevents me also from being able to do some of the things that I want to do. So sometimes having too many clients prevents me from like keeping up with my emails that I send out two times a month. Like I, I struggle with consistency in a way that I think is not as difficult for you, but I struggle with consistency. And this year, actually a focus for me has been to show up consistently with my emails and, and on LinkedIn to say like, okay, once a week, I'm going to post something on LinkedIn. And I am actually really, really going to send out an email, even if it's a bad email every two weeks, because I just have struggled a lot with that consistency in the past. And I think it's preventing me from growing my business in the directions that I want it to grow. Um, and that's kind of an aside because it doesn't exactly have to do with how many clients I have, but it also does. And of course I can subcontract work. I do occasionally, but the issue is that I'm often finding myself saying yes to all the client work because I like the work. I like my clients. And then it prevents me from pursuing other opportunities. Yeah. There's definitely an opportunity tax when you say yes to so many things. So I think the thing for me that how that has kind of manifested itself in the past year is that as I'm doing more work and working with more clients, one of the things I noticed was that I wasn't spending as much time as I should have been editing before I sent off the draft to a client. And usually I have a really, really rigorous editing process where I will catch everything, you know, I'll run it through Grammarly. I'll make sure it's pretty and polished and in its best possible form before I send it over. But as I was getting busier, I was starting to skimp on that. So one of the things I did was I hired a fellow freelance writer who also does editing work to be that second set of eyes for me. And so because I was too close to the project, sometimes just finishing out the first draft, I knew that I needed somebody else who could take the time to sit down and go through it very thoroughly in a way that I just couldn't capacity wise, because I wanted that quality to be there. I wanted that consistency, but I needed help. And so rather than sacrificing the projects that I wanted to do, I, I brought in another partner to help with that. And it's only been a couple of weeks so far, but it's been really helpful. And it's it's taken a whole lot of stress off of my plate as far as ugh, I'm worried that I'm not doing as good a quality of work as I should be. And so that for me yeah. was like, what's the problem and how can I solve it? Yeah. And I mean, I think there's so many models and ways that you can 
solve these sorts of problems. And I think the problem that we're talking about and that you and I maybe have in common is a problem of abundance where we feel like there's lots of clients that we have. How do we say yes? How do we say no? How do we hire and scale to make it all work and and, and have our businesses be the businesses that we want? But I think a lot of people listening will say like, wow, Emma and Kaylee, those are nice problems to have. I can't imagine if I had like... And, and to be to be fair to, to, to everybody listening, I think Kaylee may have a stronger pipeline than I do. But either way, I... I, I'm not like people are knocking down the door and everything's perfect all the time with having having people land on my doorstep. But I think that there's many ways to skin a cat in the sense that there's been parts of my freelance writing career where I've only had a couple clients and it's been enough to to run the business and keep it afloat. And then there's been times where I've had tens of clients and you know, so for me, there's definitely an ebb and flow. I think there's other people that say like, I have room for four clients. I want each of these clients to pay me X dollars per month. And that's how I'm going to run my business. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with defining enough. Like what is your enough within your business? Is it the amount of hours you work a week? Is it the amount of money you make? Is it just like work-life balance? Do you have time to do the things that you want to do and the ability to say yes to the projects that you want to take on? It's an abstract kind of question to ask yourself, but once you have an answer, even if it's still a little ambiguous, that can help you make those decisions and figure out like, okay, what is a healthy number? Or like, what is a healthy workload look like to me? But I feel like it's really important to define that a little bit and have some sort of consistent answer to keep yourself from falling into the, you know, the pitfalls of like burnout and resenting your work and all those things that can happen. Yeah. And and pricing is part of that conversation too, in the sense that, you know, maybe you only have a couple clients, but they're paying you amount that, that feels manageable to you. You know, I have to say that when I started my business, I never had kind of a deliberate, okay, I want to have this number of clients. it, It was much more, let's see what I can get and let's see where this journey takes me. But I do think it's legitimate to think about how many clients you want to have or how you kind of want to structure it before going into it. For me, it wasn't kind of a deliberate decision. And I think that's why I was shocked when I was in that mastermind and I shared how many clients I had and people were like, what the hell? Um, How are you doing that? And I, you know, and it is interesting because if I have clients listening to this, I don't want them to think like, oh my gosh, she has a lot of clients and that means that she's not paying attention to me because that's not what's going on. I don't, at this moment, have too many clients for me to handle at all, but I, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I, we, don't, we obviously don't have all the answers and there's no magic answer to how many clients you should have. Yeah. It's going to look a little different for everyone. Like one of my favorite examples as part of this conversation is like Paul Jarvis, who I co-taught the creative class with, would take off like four months out of every year. And so once he completed his projects uh, and he met his income goal, he was just like, cool, wash his hands of it. I'm done for the year. I'm going to do whatever I want to do until I pick work back up again. If you want to work with me, you can sign up on my wait list and I'll get back to you when I'm back and working again. But like that's a whole other option to consider too is like the structure of your time and and energy like maybe it's not even totally about the money maybe it's about like hey i want to travel 4 months out of the year or i want to work on my novel you know my my passion project 4 months out of the year and not have to balance it with client work those are things to consider as well 
Yeah, I think Sage Polaris, I don't know if she still does, but she used to teach a course or have some kind of group about like how to take off four months of a year. I think it was four months also. And that she was all about structuring her work in a way that would basically work around her life, right? And I think she was someone that scheduled in clients in a very deliberate way, which I think you and I similarly struggle with. Like, we're crappy at it. Yeah. Not to tell you you're crappy at something. No, definitely crappy at it. I don't think this is a strength for either you or me, and we suffer for it. Like, I know that when I travel, it's hard for me to disconnect, even if I'm like, you know... This summer, I want to be able to go to my parents for a couple of weeks and totally take the time off. And it's like, I don't even know how I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's seriously like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I think that that is like really not good or okay or like that's, that's not that's not good because the whole reason that I run this business, that I have this business is so that I have the flexibility to take two weeks off and it's not counting towards vacation time. But, you know, as they say about being self-employed is that you know, you're always working mm. in a way. But but that's that's a hell of my own making, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end on that note then. Don't make your yeah. business a hell of your own making. There you go. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com.